Hey guys, welcome back. So excited that we get to gather again in the middle of the week. It's it's hard not being actually with each other, I know, in this season, but I really hope that you are making the most of the time that you have together. If this is your first time joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you found us. Uh, we encourage you guys to continue to share our content so that it might be an encouragement to other people as well as we continue to worship, continue to learn what God might have for us from His Word and from Him working through this season. So we hope that you enjoy the time that we have together. We are journeying through the Psalms together as we pick up this midweek service and we're learning a whole lot together, this new way of doing life, this new rhythm, this new shelter-in-place protection. And I think the Psalms give us a lot to reflect on as far as how we see God, how we see others, how we see ourselves, and how we can respond. And so today we're going to start at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start with Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 sets the tone for the whole book, all of 150 of the Psalms. The first 40-ish psalms are one book of psalms, and this first chapter, Psalm 1, sets the tone for what we can expect out of the rest of them. And it really sets the tone for praise, worship, and recognizing who we are and whose we are in this passage. So we're going to break it down. There's only six verses. I'm going to read from the NIV and go over verse by verse, probably even split it up a little bit more so we can talk about it. I really think Psalm 1 has a lot of encouragement and tremendous reminders for this intentional time that we have together, because this time that we have is really all that we have right now. We're not necessarily distracted as much by all that's going on outside our homes. We're not going to malls or movie theaters or bowling alleys or whatever was in your schedule prior to uh, we're kind of more homebound, and so I think we can be more intentional. So I want us to look at Psalm 1 through the eyes of how can I be more intentional, and what should I be more intentional about? So we'll pick up, we're just going to read first the first verse of Psalm 1 to start. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV again, if you want to grab your Bible or open another tab and go to BibleGateway.com or whatever Bible app you prefer, uh, feel free to click over to that and read along, or you could just listen to my soothing voice as I read Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. We'll pause there. This is, this is a great way to start, because it starts with a very important word. Blessed, blessed. Uh, another word for blessed is happy, or whole, or a whole happiness, a whole heart, a fullness. So to experience happiness, fullness, wholeness, this, this big deal, blessed is the one. The whole book of Psalms starts with that word. Not that this book is like the secret to unlocking your happiness, but at the same time, God has a lot for us in recognizing the blessing that he has for us. And happiness is a feeling that he wants us to feel, surely. And we will go through seasons of trial and change, but to start with the word blessed, it kind of gives you insight into, I should read the Psalms to see what it looks like to be blessed how to recognize how blessed I am already. So it says, blessed is the one, and it starts with abstinence. Don't do these things. Blessed is the person who does not do these things. And he, re he references three spheres, three areas of our lives, three things that we should not be doing. And that's walk, stand, sit. Those three things. We should not walk with the wicked. We should not stand with the sinners. We should not sit with the mockers. All of us are walking, standing, and sitting actively every day. 
who we walk with, what we stand for, who we're sitting with. Those are all big, important things. And I want us to really evaluate, am I walking with people that I shouldn't walk with? Walk is like a a physical action. Am I doing things with people that maybe shouldn't be doing things with me? I shouldn't be doing things with them. This is a, who are you associated with? Because when we walk with the wicked, we in turn get associated with wickedness. And we're blessed if we do not walk with the wicked. And the other thing is stand. Stand is, is like a take a stand. What are you standing for? What are you fighting for? What are you supporting and promoting and cheering on? Because if we're standing with sinners in their sin, promoting sin, promoting sinful behavior, wicked behavior, we're not living out the blessing that God has for us. And the last one is to sit. When I think of sit, I think of, you know, a living room, who you're actually doing life with, sitting around the kitchen table with, sitting on the couch with, who are you in communion with? And if we are sitting in the company of mockers, then we are associated with the mockers as well. And I don't think that is what is blessed. The Bible says that blessed are those who do not do these things. And so in our spheres of life, are we walking, standing, and sitting with people that we shouldn't for causes that we shouldn't? Are we being intentional in this season, or are we getting caught in whatever blows our way, whatever distraction, whatever association, whatever guilty pleasure, I think we need to flip the script and and consider what a blessed life looks like, what a blessed man looks like. And then the psalmist turns the tables here and gives us uh, another thought to consider. Because if if we're not blessed by doing these things, then what should we do? So he starts with, don't do these things. Well, let's look at what we should do in verse two. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So blessed is the man who does not do these things, but instead does these things, delights in the law and meditates on the law. I think we need to know, first off, what is the law? The easiest explanation I can give for the law as we live on this side of the resurrection, as we live as New Testament Christians, as we live knowing what Jesus did and who Jesus is, the law is summed up by Jesus in saying that all of the law and all of the prophets is founded upon and could be summed up in Love God with everything, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love God before everything, above everything. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we can do those two things, then we're kind of fitting in all of the law and abiding by it, by loving God and loving others. And so blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on the law of the Lord. I love that he starts with delights before meditates. Delight is something that's kind of hard to do sometimes. We often associate duty, like I'm duty bound to do this. I have to follow this rule. I have to do this thing. I have to follow this law. It's my duty to do so. I'm, I committed to it. But instead, the psalmist said we should delight in the law. We should find great pleasure and delight and joy in loving God and loving our neighbors ourselves. And then the second part is to meditate on it. And that's just another word for focus. To repeat it over and over, to chew on it, to marinate in it, to sit under the word, under the teaching of the word, and and listen and hear and read and claim what the law has for us. The encouraging thing about God's law is that it's for us. 
Because great things happen when we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Because when we're doing that and others are doing that, we are also practicing love. We are giving and receiving love. Paul writes about God's law in Romans 1 and 2 and 1 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. Uh, He loves to talk about the law because he's a, a Jew who upholds the law, but he demonstrates how God's law is for us by listing the things that are are not beneficial, like anger, rage, malice, drunkenness, slander, adultery, idolatry. All of these things lead to destruction and they hurt us. And I encourage you to go read Romans 1 and 2. Go read 1 Corinthians 6 all the way, keep going all the way to the end of the book. We've got the time. And we can see how God's law is for us. Ultimately, everything is for him and for his glory, but when we meditate on his law, we find delight in knowing that it's for us. So how are we focusing on God's law? How are we loving God in this season? How are we giving him praise? Uh, We just finished a a time of worship where we got to be in our own homes singing in the comfort of of our pajamas, whether they're your nighttime pajamas or daytime pajamas. We're, We're comfortable, we're home. And we got led in a time where we could sing together. And this content's available readily, so we can go back and listen to the song again and sing along again. That should bring delight when we see that this big God is for us. He loves us, and he's calling us into loving our neighbor as ourselves. So when we meditate on that, we should find great delight. We should find great joy. We're in a season right now where it's fun to see what different neighborhoods and communities are doing because we're seeing we're all locked down. We're all sheltering in place. I am staying home so that I can protect this person and that person. I'm choosing not to go out and interact with people so that I don't contribute to the spread of this pandemic that we're in. We're also doing little things. In my neighborhood, we put bears in our windows and we took the kids on walks at different times, practicing social distancing, looking for bears, going on a bear hunt. And we're gonna do cute things coming up to Easter where we can see how can I be for my neighbor, make my neighborhood a more enjoyable place to shelter in place. How can I think about the senior citizens who live near me and maybe grab some extra groceries and drop them on their porch? How can I be for people who don't believe that there are people for them right now. Because God's law is for us. And so blessed is the man who delights in God's, God's law and meditates on God's law. Because then it just builds and builds and builds and we realize more and more and more that God's law is for us. So God is for us and we're called to be for others and in turn being for him. And so if we are that man, if we are that person that is blessed, then we delight and we meditate and we become like something else. And we're going to break apart verse three in Psalm one, verse three. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. We'll pause there. I mean, there's more to verse three that we're going to get into, but I think that that's a loaded statement. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. This is big time simile personification. When we delight in God's law and meditate on it, we become like a tree planted by water. Trees planted by water grow. Uh, I live in a a cool part of town where we back up to a creek. And so behind our house, we have these huge trees that are, they've got these thick trunks and they've got these deep roots and they just grow 50 feet tall, even bigger, some of them. And we get to see the water of that stream, the water of the creek is feeding that root system. 
And we get to see big winds blow in when storms come in. And these trees kind of move a little bit, but they're so strong because they have such a strong foundation. Where that tree is planted matters. And so the psalm is saying where you are planted matters because when we're planted in God's law, we are fed by that stream of water. We're fed so we can grow and plant deep roots down. So when we're planted in a place that reminds us to love God and to love others, we can experience the delight that comes with being a servant of God by serving others. We're like a tree planted by water. So where you're planted matters and why you are planted there also matters. Just like if you were planted among the mockers, planted amongst the sinners, just back in verse one, if if you're choosing to sit with the wicked and walk with them and do what they say and be associated with them, that that's going to feed your root system and that's going to affect what type of fruit you bear. But when we're planted by streams of living water, by, by water that quenches our thirst, as we see Jesus references in John chapter four, water that, that will cause us not to thirst again, that's, that's when we can be blessed and fulfilled, not when we're planted or walking or sitting or standing with the mockers and wicked and sinners. So why we are planted somewhere and where we are planted matters. What's it look like for us to be planted somewhere? I would say, who are you surrounding yourself with? Right now, even digitally, who are the people that you're in group texts with, that you're FaceTiming, that you're calling? Where are you going to consume content? On the internet or on your TV? Which, which sites are you visiting? Where are you seeking encouragement or where are you seeking to, to grow your fear? Because where we're pursuing that, that thirst, that water that will quench our thirst, that matters. And if we're gonna be the blessed man, then we need to be a tree that's planted by the water. But water feeds those roots. And so whatever water we're feeding our tree is the water that's gonna feed the roots. And so maybe we're feeding our fear right now. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's worry. Or are we feeding our faith? I heard a man say last week that we have to feed our faith in order to starve our fear. I think that that goes with all different types of wickedness. We need to feed our faith in order to starve our lust. We need to feed our faith in order to starve our loneliness, our isolation. We need to feed our faith in order to starve our anger and impatience. The list just goes on and on and on. Because where we're planted is where we're finding our needs met, where we're placing our trust. And so we can't really place our trust in in a shaky foundation. In, in a news cycle. We can't place our trust in a social media or in a television show or in something that can't fully meet our needs. But blessed is the man who is a tree planted by streams of water because that man is gonna delight in God's law. He's gonna meditate on God's law and repeat it over and over and over. So my challenge is what are you feeding right now? Are you feeding into your wickedness, your sinful nature? Are we feeding into our doubt, into our worry? Are we feeding fear? Or instead, are we feeding our faith by being encouraged by people who love the Lord, by pursuing truth from sources of truth like the scriptures, by listening to music that might encourage us, watching shows that won't drive us into sin, drive us into loneliness, but instead using this time intentionally to be encouraged to feed our faith. I think that's so huge right now. Because feeding our faith allows us to meditate on his law, take delight in his law, which then allows us to love God and love people more again, and then again, and then again. And verse three goes on to tell us about what happens when we do this. 
When we are the blessed man, we become like a tree that's planted by the stream of water. And this is what happens in the rest of verse three, which yields fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When we're like that tree, we bear fruit and our leaves don't wither and whatever we do prospers. I've been reflecting on on the book of Job a little bit recently. And in Job chapter 42, Job is crying out to God after losing everything again and again and again and losing his friends and his support system. He becomes alone and lonely, but he sees that God is up to something. And he says, God, your plans will not be thwarted. Your plans will always come true. Your plans will always come to fruition. And I think God's plans come to fruition through us, especially when we're planted by that water, that living water that quenches our thirst but we yield fruit in season. Our leaf does not wither and we will prosper whatever we do. And I think leaning on God's love right now, leaning on loving our neighbor right now will lead to some pretty prosperous things. It's encouraging to know and to remind others that God is up to something. And we're gonna look back on this in three months, six months, a year, 10 years. We're gonna look back on this And we're gonna be able to see that God was up to something. And we're gonna be able to say, I was a part of what God was up to when we become this person, when we meditate on his law and delight in his law and become the tree that's planted. So there's good news to be a fruit bearer. There's there's a lot of biology that makes sense. When you plant an apple seed, you grow an apple tree. When you plant an orange seed, you grow an orange tree. Your seed determines your fruit. But when I look at gospel gardening, I'm reminded of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah spoke on behalf of God to God's people as they were far from him, as they were pursuing other idols, other gods, other desires. He reminded him of of some crazy things that God was up to. And so if you find a minute this week, maybe even five minutes, I wanna encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 55. I'm gonna give a quick summary of it. But if you read Isaiah chapter 55 through the lens of today, April, 2020, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, we could be really encouraged by that. But I'm more encouraged by the end of chapter 55, verse 13. It gives us that tree planted by streams of water reminder that God can turn thorn bush into juniper and briars into myrtle. This will be the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So gospel gardening gives us a chance to think, okay, if If I am a tree planted by water, but then I I run away and and I step back into sin, I reassociate myself with the wicked. I walk and jump in and do the company of, of sinners, mockers. If I choose that life of sin, how can God redeem me? And I think that verse from Isaiah 55, 13 says, instead of the thorn bush will grow a juniper. What God is up to is in seasons of doubt and drought, God is changing our root system and changing our seed system so we don't have to continue to live a life of a thorn bush or a briar. We don't have to live this life of the seed of sin that's planted in our lives, but instead we we get to be junipers and myrtles. Our whole root structure changes. We were born into this seed of sin, but through what God has done and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we step into this grace that changes the seed of who we are we step into grace and we get to bear fruit. So blessed is the man who doesn't do these things, but instead plants himself by the water. He gets to bear fruit. 
in season. His leaf will not wither. And I keep saying the word he, his, that's the word that's in the psalm, but that's for everyone. This is all of us. He, she, her, him, all of us get to benefit from this. When we meditate on his law and delight in it, we get to be that tree that bears fruit, no matter what our past looks like, no matter what the sin life that we've lived in or are living in, when we step in to a relationship with Jesus and choose to walk in the newness of life that he has available to us, our whole system changes and we get to bear fruit. And it's a blessing to get to bear fruit. So where have we been planting ourselves and why? As we've been called to work from home, or maybe we've been furloughed or laid off, are we planting ourselves in shame and doubt? Are we having pity parties that last too long? Are we planting ourselves in front of the TV to consume stuff that's not going to encourage us? Are we just planting ourselves and not being active and choosing to live a sedentary lifestyle for this season? Because why not? Why don't we be trees planted by water? seeing encouragement that can come from reading the scriptures, from having a vibrant prayer life by stepping out in faith and reaching out to someone who may need you to reach out on behalf of God to to say, hey, God's up to something big and I wanna encourage you with that. Or at the end of all of our messages, we've been putting a discussion up where some of our pastors sit down and we discuss the scripture used, the story used, the quotes used, and we discuss that so that we can continue the conversation. And maybe that's what you need to be doing, is growing your community by saying, let's continue this conversation. Here's a link. I'm gonna share this on my Facebook, go watch this. Let's continue the conversation. How can I help you identify the the sinners and mockers you may be walking with, or the wicked you may be standing with or standing for? How can we encourage each other and lean in, practice sanctification accountability with each other? Because that's what we get to do when we become the blessed man who is planted by the water, when we become the blessed man who does not walk with the wicked and do what they do. That's available to us in this season. God is changing the whole system. When we can overcome sin in a season of isolation. And today there's, there's not a ton of excuses to be isolated. Even though we may be at home alone right now, Technology makes it very capable for us to be with each other, for us to be surrounded by others and encouraged by others. So why don't we use that time? You can comment on this post, on this video, and you can begin to engage with others. And I I know for, for our church members at Spring Creek, we have people who are actively communicating on there and want to talk further with you and want to connect more with you. So why don't we use this season to encourage each other to bear fruit instead of hoarding and going to the grocery store every couple of days and just loading up on everything we can because it's all they had and just consuming all the toilet paper and taking all the meat and keeping all the milk and the eggs. Grocery stores shouldn't have to put limits in place if Christians are living the way we should live. But instead, why don't we think about our neighbor when we do the grocery shopping? when we're sitting alone doing nothing or sitting with our family doing nothing. Maybe a FaceTime call would be a big blessing to others. Maybe a a virtual hangout, a Google hangout, a Zoom, or even a text message could really change someone's situation. And so this Psalm follows an ABAB rhythm where uh, on the front end, it's don't do this. 
Instead, do this. If you do this, then this will happen. So don't do this with the wicked, but instead do this. Meditate and delight, and this will happen. You'll become that tree with the rich root system that will not be shaken, will not be blown away. You will bear fruit in season, and whatever you do will prosper. And then the psalmist turns again to go back to don't do this. Because if you're not going to be the tree, if you're not going to meditate, if you're not going to delight, here's what's for us in verse 4. Not so the wicked. The wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So he's bringing it to a close in saying, you could choose to meditate, delight, and plant yourself so that you bear fruit. But some of us still choose wickedness, and we don't get to bear the fruit. We don't get to be the blessed man, the blessed person, the happy person, the whole person. Instead, we become the wicked, like the chaff. Chaff is like a, a little casing on the edge of wheat. And it's, they used wheat a lot. A lot of these people interacted with wheat uh, back in biblical times, and so it was really easy to see how flimsy chaff was because when you would go through and you'd harvest the wheat, you could just toss it in the air and the chaff would blow away and the wheat would come back down in your basket. The chaff just gets blown whichever way the wind blows, and many of us live that life still. We're blown into whatever falsity, whatever uh, fake virtue we're pursuing, whatever fake connection we're pursuing. We fall into all of those things. We get to be the chaff sometimes, and we fall for it too often because Satan's crafty and deceitful. Wicked are the chaff because we get blown into whatever the wind is blowing. And in a season of pandemic, there are things that will blow our way that try to increase our fear, but we should choose instead to feed our faith. There will be things that blow our way that will show us that maybe they can satisfy us. They can meet our needs, but then we know that that doesn't meet our needs. It doesn't last. It's not all satisfying. It doesn't quench the thirst that we have. And when we enter into pursuing other things than a relationship with God to satisfy our needs, then loving God and loving people to, to find some sort of quench for our thirst, when we pursue those things, we become like the chaff and we just get blown away. And we will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So Jesus kind of changed all of that for us because a lot of us were born into being chaff. Our natural nature, our bent is to naturally just follow the next shiny thing, the next easy thing, the next comfortable thing. But really, we have an opportunity to be made new and renewed. And as we still tiptoe toward Easter coming up soon, we should be reminded of what Jesus went through to, to bring us back into the fold. How Jesus bore the weight of sin and death and punishment for us so that we don't have to be chaff, but instead we get a whole new root system to get to be these big, rich trees. The, the wind is still going to blow, but we will not be shaken. We will not fall down. Hard times will come, but if we're planted by the stream of living water, our roots will still be fed, and we'll still bear fruit, even in seasons like today, where we may not know where the next meal's coming from, when the next shift will show up, when the next paycheck will arrive. We can still know that God provides. And I'm, I'm excited to hear stories. We've already heard some. I'm excited to hear more 
stories and testimonies that come through about how God has been up to something. I didn't know when my groceries would come and then I opened my door and my neighbor drops them on my porch. I didn't know when my next paycheck would come and then my employer found ways to give us hours to keep us employed. It's a season where we're gonna see God move if we choose to see him move, where we get to delight in what he's up to if we choose to participate. And if we don't, we'll just be blown by the wind like chaff. And then he closes in verse six, Psalm one. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. When I first read this, I thought, like, oh, God is, God is watching. Like, careful, God's watching every move. Every time we get up to go to the pantry or the fridge and open it to see if magically there's new food in there, God's watching me, oh no. But this isn't a verse about he sees you when you're sleeping or knows when you're awake. This is more a reminder that God is for us. He's watching over us. Like someone who's caring for children, like a shepherd who's leading his sheep. It's not this judgmental, shame-invoking eye that's over us at all times. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. God is caring for us in our steps. God is caring for us in this season. God is seeing what we need and meeting that need because he's not surprised by it. He knows that we need comfort. He knows that we need sustenance. He knows we need to be satisfied. And he's showing up to meet those needs because he watches over the way of the righteous. And so blessed is the man who sees that. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The way of the wicked is going to lead us down a path of sloth, of laziness, down a path of uh, falling back into addiction, of relapse. And it's so easy for Satan to have footholds in this season where he can seize the day and try and bring us down. And if we've already fallen into that, if we've already fallen back into sin, we don't have to stay there because he's still turning thorn bushes into junipers and briars into beautiful myrtles. God is still up to something. Even after we fall, he's still moving. He's still working. And so we don't just give in to sin because it's easy to give in to sin, but we can stand for what's righteous because God is looking for us. He's seeing us move and he's for us. He's caring for us. So let's choose to delight, to meditate. And then we'll get to see what fruit we get to bear and the joy that that can bring. Because blessed is the man who gets to bear fruit. Blessed is the man who chooses to be watered by streams of living water rather than something that could just satisfy a moment's need. But then that need pops up in a moment's notice. Blessed is the man who gets to bear fruit because his leaf won't wither because he will prosper and God has plans for us to prosper. And prosper doesn't mean easy. Prosper doesn't mean it's just gonna be smooth sailing from here on out. We are in a season of unknown and that's just crazy for some of us to even fathom. But God is still working to bless us. And sometimes we have to go through the drought to see the prosperous springs on the other side. Sometimes we have to go through the worry but it's where we're choosing to plant ourselves amidst the doubt, amidst the worry, amidst the drought, amidst the pain. It's what we're choosing to feed. Are we feeding our faith? Or are we gonna feed into the worry and doubt and shame and anger? Whatever we're feeding will grow. Whatever we're feeding will bear fruit. And so blessed is the man who feeds the faith. In closing, I wanna read all six verses together again. And I think it's great for us to read this together, to meditate on this. This is only six verses. And so maybe this is the sixth verse where you need to read a verse a day and remember something about it. 
Maybe you, you need to find a scripture that you can hold fast to because you know being home alone is not good for you. It's a dangerous time. It's a scary time. Maybe it's something you know you need to encourage others with, one of these verses, or another verse that you found encouragement with. So I'm gonna read and close in prayer, but a quick note before I close us with this psalm is next Wednesday, we will not be meeting. We will meet Sunday morning at 10. Uh, you can gather with your family online virtually. Uh, you can see that on our YouTube and Facebook pages at 10 o'clock on Sunday. Next Wednesday, we will not have midweek services because next Friday is Good Friday. And so we're gonna gather for worship and discussion about the death of Jesus as we prepare for Easter. Because the good news is Easter's coming. We're living on this side of Easter and we get to celebrate and remember that goodness all the time. So let's, let's read this in light of knowing that, in light of knowing that Easter's coming, in light of knowing that Jesus bore the weight of sin for us so that we could be this blessed man. So Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for surrounding us with your love and giving us time to gather, technology to gather, to be together in this time. So would you comfort us and bless us with your love? Would you call us to live out your love for you and for our neighbor in this season. And would we hold fast to you? As we hold fast to you, would you satisfy our wants? Would you meet our needs and continue to provide like you do? We're grateful to be loved by you and called by you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you for his death and resurrection and the grace that pours over us because of that. It's in his great name that we pray, amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Hey, church, thanks for joining us for a Wednesday night worship service. We hope that you were blessed. I encourage you to stay connected with us online as we kind of weather this storm together. We hope that God is continuing to minister to you, that you're hearing from him, and that you continue to serve him as you stay at home and you're with your families. Um, we want to encourage you also to continue to give. Um, we have three different ways to give. You can um, mail to our address or you can go to our website and click the Give tab, or you can text GIVE to 96695. And we would just encourage you, if you have the resources during this time, to go above and beyond your normal giving uh, to be able to help the church ministry out. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Now stick around for the post-service discussion. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today as we discuss Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 is just a little chapter that packs a punch. There's a lot in it. Uh, but the first part of Psalm 1 talks about how we're blessed or we're happy or whole if we don't do specific things. And the, the specific things are don't stand, walk, or sit with wicked, sinful people, uh, with people that are mockers. What are some slippery slopes and gray areas where we may associate ourselves with sinful people or uh, discouraging people that are affecting our faith in negative ways? You know, I think one of the easy things is to immediately think of people who aren't believers, uh, people who aren't religious or spiritual. 
Uh, when I think that there's there's two extremes, like if you look at the religious side, they you can very easily uh, cross a line into the mockery of other people, uh, which is exactly what happened with the Pharisees. They believed so much in their own self-righteousness that they became wicked in, in one sense, whereas on the other side where you have people that do struggle and deal with sin that all of a sudden come to the other side of the extreme where that uh, is their identity as being wicked. And so I think that if you look at both extremes, you can find people who believe in Jesus yet st- can still practice wick- wickedness through mockery, yet you can also find people who don't believe in Jesus that their their extreme is in their own wickedness that they say. So I'd say uh, on both sides, you, you can avoid the extremes while still engaging with people in the middle ground. Because I think one of the things Jesus did all the time was he engaged with people who were not religious at all. And he didn't avoid them. He just avoided the extreme on them. Yeah. Yeah. I also like what Patrick said uh, about Jesus. Jesus did hang out with like the wicked and the sinners. Um, But also like for us as believers, I think just being able to like discern who to hang out with, who to talk to, who to um, just involve yourself with and do community and do life with um, would help us, you know, kind of like strive away from, you know, situations and people that are not necessarily living life like the way we want to, like the way Jesus had called us to live life. Yeah. I think there there are people, some people just can't be around, like if you're struggling with an addiction, you can't be around people that embrace that addiction as a way of life. And Uh, situations like that can really push us into sin or pull us into the allure of sin. So it's it's a good reminder from Psalm 1 to, hey, don't do these things because a blessed man does not do these things. And then he pivots and says, instead, we should delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on the law of the Lord. And so when you think practically delighting and meditating, those are things that we can do personally. What does that look like in your own faith, in your own walk, uh, what does it look like to delight in the law of the Lord? For me, I know this sounds super simple or super simplistic, and for some people it probably is, but one of the most delightful things I can do with the Lord is is pray with my son every single night. Mm-hmm. My son's two years old, and about the only time he's ever still throughout the entire day is right before I put him to bed. And we go into his room and just I hold him and we spend anywhere from 30 seconds to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. just in prayer. And so delighting in the ways of the Lord uh, can be so many, can, can cover so many different ways. But when you find that way that, that, you know, is, is, is something that, that is significant to you, you're going to respond with joy all the same. Yeah, for sure. Diana, what's that look like for you? Yeah, so I am a busy body. I like to say busy. So when I want to uh, spend intentional time delighting the Lord, I have to sit still and just pull out a journal, start journaling, talking to the Lord, writing out my prayers, reading the Bible. Um, that's how I kind of just meditate and kind of be still. Yeah, so it giving Him your time yeah. brings you delight when you're able to be filled up in that. For sure. I think I'm I'm that same way. My my day starts differently when I'm able to get up before the rest of my household does and spend some time, even if it's just praying, sitting and being with God in prayer, or it's reading my Bible and just finding a piece of scripture that I can just focus on. And I think that's that's an opportunity we have is we delight in God's law when we realize his law is for us. And so 
when we realize it's for us, we have to know what it is. And so delighting in his law means knowing it. Uh, and so Jesus said, love God, love people. I think we delight in his His law when we love God and love people, when we lead people to knowing him better and when we're focused on him with our time. Uh, and then with, with this next pivot, he says that when we're delighting in his law and meditating in his law, we become like a tree planted by streams of water, and that tree gets to bear fruit in season, and the leaf will not wither, and every plan that we have will prosper. And that excites me. I think that's something where we we get to bear fruit, our leaves won't wither, and we will prosper. Uh, what does what excites you about that? What what kind of motivates you in that? I think one of the the things that motivates me the most is number one, it's a promise, but there's that last phrase that it'll never wither. Like I don't know about y'all, but like especially in times like this, there's moments where I wonder if I'm withering. <laughs> yes. But, like it, whether it be because I'm socially isolated from people uh, or whether because I, I look at things that cause me worry and anxiety, whether it be uh, financially related or just societally related. But uh, there's moments like that that make me, number one, wonder whether I'm withering. And then two, makes me remember there's a promise that says, if I follow this, I won't wither. So in times of immense struggle or anxiety, it's good to remind myself, I'm not, I'm not going to wither through this because I know that the Lord promises this because of, of what it says in Psalms 1. Just knowing that there is, that this is not it for us, that there is something better, that we were created for more than just like this ordinary life, you know, that there's, there's going to be a time and a place where we can just all be together and just worship the Lord unendlessly. Yeah, I'm, that excites me, pumps me up. I think the word prosper often gets drawn into Jeremiah 29, 11. Like God's only got good things for us. I do think there's seasons of drought and there's seasons of worry and fear, but I think knowing that on the other side of this, there's more, that God is working through the worry. He's working through the doubt yeah. uh, and he does want us to prosper. And one of the ways we prosper the most is by getting to bear fruit. How crazy that he would choose us to bear fruit of his love to be patient, to be loving, to be kind and gentle with others. Just crazy that God would use us in a big way. So I think it's appropriate for us to continue to go through the Psalms and meditate on them. And I know we will have opportunities as as a church body to get to sit under teaching on Sundays and on Wednesdays. And as we go on, as we connect digitally, I think it's great that we continue the conversation. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for being here.